Welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual. Here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm tired. And also named Alex. So we're <laughs> getting here as we do. We've, we do. We've got just a mess of blankets. Just so many blankets. We've got, we're still burning that, that, that pumpkin muffin candle. We're only about a third of the way through it. Yeah, we've still got plenty left. But... I just... Everything else was just too, too, too much for my, my, my fall little nose. <laughs> I was going across the, like, mantelpiece and oh, the shelves, just, shelf, all just the smelling options. all the options, and I was like, mm, mm. I don't like it. Well, this one's great. I know. I bought it for a reason. And we've got our tea. You're, uh, you're not... I'm getting a little further into the, the spirit of the season. Yeah, yeah, you're a little ahead of yourself, I think, but... Sugar cane cookie one sugar cookie, sugar one. cookie sleigh ride sugar as we ride. as we love but you are you're you're caffeine free lately yeah doing my best so that it's a great choice it's one of my favorite caffeine free teas mm-hmm. it's delicious uh we're doing a five minute masters as as we also do yeah and and, and i'd love it if you would begin <laughs> so um you'll sense a theme i think today yeah um, I have on the table mm-hmm. The Metamorphoses by Ovid. Woo-hoo. And I'm going to be telling you about what the internet said is one of the weirdest. <laughs> there, and that's saying something because a lot of the Metamorphoses are pretty fucking weird. <laughs> yep. You'll need to help me with the name of this person. Okay. Because I just cannot for the life of me. Mm-hmm. Once there's about like 13 letters. It's, they get a little long. It's true. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ariskathon. Ariskathon, okay. Ariskathon was a king in Thessaly. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. he was like, I'm all about throwing a party, like, having feasts, we're doing it. Uh-huh. And he's like, let's chop down this sacred grove of Demeters. Because we're having a party. Because we're going to build a feast hall. Okay. And so everybody's like, sure, let's do it. But then they got to the last big tree there, which is adorned with, like, wreaths and offerings to Demeter. Um, and everybody's like, uh... You sure about this, kid? Um, I, we're not gonna do that for you. Because it's, like, bad juju. Also, it's a huge fucking tree. Can we just... We got all the rest of the trees. Can we just leave this... <laughs> right. Um, but Ariskathon is like, I'll do it my fucking self. <laughs> And so he just just starts wailing into this big old fancy tree and in the process of felling this tree, kills a dryad. Oh no. (laughs) Which is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's cursed. Yup. Demeter goes to, I don't remember the, the god's name, but Demeter goes to the god of famine. Okay. And is like, Hey, I know we're sort of polar opposites on this thing, but I need you to go inside that man's stomach. Could you just help a girl out? So, um, he's cursed to be hungry for just all of it. So, what he does is he wastes all of his his enormous wealth on just consumption. He just, he can never be satisfied. He can never be satisfied, and the more he eats, the hungrier he gets. Oh, that is the worst. Yeah. Um, He also has a daughter. 
who he sells to slavery mm-hmm. um, so that he can eat more. Mm-hmm. Um, but Poseidon's like, I got you, girl. And he gives her the power to transform so she can sneak out. Oh, good. So she goes, goes back to her dad and he's like, great. This seems like a really good power. I'm going to sell you into slavery and you can just keep sneaking out. Oh, that's a grift. <laughs> so he does this a couple more times. Um, and then it, it just doesn't work anymore. Um, and he starts eating himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. in the morning, there's nothing left. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He ate it, ate it himself. All up. Just, I don't even know how that works. It's myth. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah. I love the metamorphoses. There are some fucking wild ones in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like partial, part, part, it's like half hard to understand and half really neat. Mm-hmm. And it's not like really difficult to understand. It's just like, who's talking? And like, Ovid. <laughs> but he's like talking like he's there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, my high school did, when I was a student, did a very interesting, I wish I could remember who the playwright was. It was a stage version of The Metamorphoses. Ooh, that's neat. It was really cool. Um, it just has like a selection of the mm-hmm. myths as little vignettes. Uh, and it was pretty neat. Well, and we, I feel like most people know like the beats. Like everybody knows Narcissus. Right. You know, you know maybe Daphne. Daphne. Um, those are the two big ones. I yeah, yeah. Uh, Phaeton, maybe. The... Uh. The son of Helios who asks to drive the chariot and crashes it and dies. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of them. Maybe Electra. That one's pretty upsetting. What I will say, um, I my copy is the Barnes & Noble Classics version. Aha, uh-huh, yes. Um, which is neat and cheap, but unfortunately doesn't have an index of characters, which would be nice. Yeah. So when you're trying to look for, I don't know, one of those people, you can know where they are. It has an index of places. It has maps, too, which that's, is fun. That's handy. Maps are fun, but I need people because there's a lot of people. And there also aren't titles for the stories. Right, because they're not... There weren't. I know. So... It's just uh, books. It's just stuff. Just mm-hmm. text. That's a pretty good one, though. There's yeah. so much treasure in that text. <laughs> there's so much in there to find. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you about William Henry Ireland. Okay. Uh, He was an Englishman. Uh, He lived from 1775 to 1835. He was an idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. And he he made up some fake Shakespeare's. (laughs) Love it. So so the thing about Samuel, or rather um, William Henry Ireland... um, He's, uh, he was called Samuel for some reason. It's a little fucked up. He uh, supposedly had a brother who died in childhood named Samuel, and so they just called him Samuel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to get into that. (laughs) It's not really relevant here. It's just a thing. Uh, but his, he was christened William Henry. With a hyphen. So, wait. Is he the replacement to that brother who died, or is he older than the brother who died? Uh, 
I'm, I'm not sure. Because if he, if he was born after, I can see it as, like, in a weird way, like a redo. Well... Or they liked the name. It's unclear, in fact, when he was born, because... Because <laughs> he lied about well, it. Well, he claimed that he was born in 1777, but the Ireland Family Bible puts his birth in 1775. <laughs> it's not It's not really relevant to the story. So his anyway. brother died and he took his place. Essentially. In a weird And their father was named Samuel. So okay, I think so maybe it was junior. sort of a like... The youngest one gets the name. Yeah, somebody's got to be named Samuel here. Uh, uh-huh. uh, so, but the thing that he did... So he was a fuck-up. Mm-hmm. His dad didn't like him very much, and he didn't... He didn't seem to be a very smart man. Um, his father was uh, quite disappointed in him, but he was his father was also very interested in like historical curios and Shakespeare. And one day, William Henry came home and was like, "Hey, Dad, look what I found!" And it was a deed with a signature of Shakespeare on it. And his dad was like. Well, maybe I was wrong about you, son. <laughs> and he said that he found this in the looking through the papers of a gentleman friend, Mr. H, who he who wished to remain anonymous. Yeah. And he said, I, I found I, I found some Shakespeare papers in here, Dad. And his dad's like, Well, can you find more? And he's like I could probably dig through and find some more Shakespeare stuff. So the original stuff. Lee is real. Yeah. It's so... <laughs> he forged... So, obviously, he forged this. He yeah. he just, mm-hmm. like, made this up. He, he, like, got just, like, some old parchment and, like, diluted some ink with some book binders, chemicals, and, like, wrote out this nonsense... He actually got very good at forging Shakespeare's signature. Hmm. He, like, trained himself to do this in order to win his father's love. <laughs> and so, uh, and he, like, put a wax seal on it that he made look right. And uh, so he, 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 he started with this deed. Um, but And then he forged a letter from Shakespeare to the Earl of Southampton. Um a declaration of Protestant faith. Oh my goodness. Letters to Anne Hathaway with a lock of hair attached, which one must presume was actually William Henry's hair. I can't... Okay. I don't know a lot about William Shakespeare. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I can't imagine him sending his hair to his wife. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Their relationship is a little bit of a mystery. (laughs) But apparently William Henry thought he could fill in some of this mystery. (laughs) Um, and a letter to Queen Elizabeth. Uh, he... Audience, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, he's really, he's really (laughs) disgusted with this whole proposition. Um, he found some books with Shakespeare's notes in the margins. Also... I feel like that would probably be the easiest one to fake. Like, oh, hey, look... Hey, he you just should, wrote a couple notes in these. You just have to make sure the book is to, like, old enough. Well, yeah, the book is old enough, and he doesn't have to like make up like a whole story about it. He right. like scribbles or scribbles like, or notes. whatever. So like that one, maybe you could get away. Yeah, with it. it's a it's a fun um, But his thing. dad has just eaten all of this up, and not just his dad, but like 
the public. Mm-hmm. And he's getting really famous for yeah. having all of these Shakespeare things. Meanwhile, Mr. H is just like, well, I don't want any of this acclaim. <laughs> Leave me out of it. Um, he also found original manuscripts for Hamlet and King Lear. Wow. And experts of the day, of course, authenticated them all. They actually did. Like, people looked at them and they were like, I would stake my career on this. This is an authentic manuscript. This This is is a real Shakespeare. (laughs) My stamp of approval. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, he just, like, fucking copied down from, like, printed books that he had in, like, a Shakespeare handwriting, like... And he, like, changed some stuff around to make it seem like a different draft. Like, he left some lines out or, like, wrote some of his own shit in. That's great. Uh, to be like, look, it's a different version of Lear. <laughs> uh, and he uh, he ended up in 1795 publishing a book about the papers. It's, like, like an illustrated book with, like, a set of facsimiles of the papers. Uh, and... In 1795, he was like, guess what I found? You can't see it yet. Oh, no. A new play. Vortigern and Rowena. He he dug too greedily and too deep. He did. He did. And this is his downfall. You see. uh, Because then he has to make up the whole thing. Or steal from somebody else. So he did it. I mean, he's stealing from Shakespeare. But he, so he was like, yeah, I, I did, I found it. And his dad's like, well, can I see it? And he's like, not, uh, not all of, I'll bring you some of it. And basically was like writing it like. In pieces. Chunk by chunk. And like giving it to his dad as soon as he was able to finish it. Like, why didn't you tell him about it before you made it? Like, he hadn't even started writing it before he was like, guess what I found, dad? It's called Vortigern and Rowena and it's a new Shakespeare play. Oh, if only he had been like, hey, dad, I decided to write a play myself. And his dad's like, I don't, like. Yeah, you uh, idiot. Uh, (laughs) So... Um, but the thing is, people were so into this idea that there was some new Shakespeare out there that, uh, London's Drury Lane Theater acquired the rights for the first production. Before it was finished? Of this, well, no, I finished. Um, (laughs) and yes, they, they, um, they acquired the rights for 300 pounds and a promise of half of all profits. That's a great that's rate. A, that's pretty good. Half of all profits. Yes. Yeah, so, so this uh, it was um, Richard Brinsley Sheridan that acquired the rights specifically, and he uh, he read. But if it was a new Shakespeare, they would have made a shit ton of money. Right. It would be sold out. Uh, and Sheridan then read the play, and he was like, "Huh, you know, <laughs> this, this doesn't have the same ring to it." One would think he maybe wrote this when he was quite young. <laughs> Uh, okay. I mean, there's some good, broad strokes are good, but this is Maybe a little... Maybe the meter's a little off. This is a little simplistic, I think. Some of the poetry doesn't quite have the cadence of what one would expect from Shakespeare, but okay, I'm going to make a lot of money off of this, so I'm not going to think too hard about it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, apparently, um... They, like, there were some serious doubts about the authenticity, and um, John Philip Kemble, the manager of Drury Lane Theatre, uh, suggested that they stage it on April Fool's Day. <laughs> and Just to sort of get the vibe. Yeah, and Ireland was like, 
no, no, you can't do it on April Fool's Day. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll do it the next day then. April 2nd it is. Uh, <laughs> but um, there were definitely, like, big believers. Like, people really, really wanted to believe mm-hmm. that there was some new Shakespeare out there. They were just obsessed mm-hmm. with this idea. But there were also skeptics from the beginning. Um so uh Edmund Malone was a Shakespearean scholar and he published his own study an, an inquiry into the authenticity of certain miscellaneous papers and legal instruments um that came out just before the play premiered mm. um but apparently it was basically just a, like this is so fucking stupid you're a fucking idiot if you think this is real <laughs> and didn't make any like really damning yeah. points other than just like I mean, yeah, look yeah, at it. Yeah. Look at it. It's not real. And so, you know, it was fairly contentious, but um, people were starting to become convinced. And so, um, <sighs> two days later, uh, two days after that book was published, Vortigern and Rowena premiered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently, you know, the first three acts went pretty smoothly. People were interested, but... Um, John Kemble, the theater manager and actor, who was not so sure about this play, was playing Vortigern, the lead, and there's, there's a scene where he, he, apparently he just started playing it sort of broader and broader and sort of starting to make fun of the text. Mm -hmm. And then there's a scene when, when Vortigern is dying and he says a line, and when this solemn mockery is o'er, and he like really gave it to him with that, and when this solemn mockery is o'er, and people were like, oh, like just laughing it up. Um, it starts stuff really started to devolve at that point, and then he was like, okay, guys, 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 please, we need to finish the play. <laughs> But apparently there was like a big fight in the theater oh afterward between people who believed, believed it. in Aww. some people who were like, that was obviously not fucking Shakespeare. Uh, so <laughs> he was just being accused um, more and more of these being forgeries. Um, but people were like, well, that guy couldn't have done all of this by himself. So apparently, he, you know, he was capable of more than people thought because <laughs> they were like, I mean, these are fake, but that idiot did it? I don't think so. Where did he get these forgeries from? Because surely this young man could not have forged all this Shakespeare alone, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, you know, he, his reputation was pretty much ruined and did not ever recover in his lifetime. Uh, <laughs> but eventually, I think his son was like, all right, I'm gonna... Um, I'm gonna come clean about my what my dad did. Mm-hmm. He absolutely made all this up. There's no H. <laughs> there, there's no Mr. H. He wrote all of it. It's all completely fabricated. Uh, so it's just the most elaborate Shakespearean forgery I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He 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 really saw that grift through. He oh, yeah. fucking doubled down on it. Mm-hmm. So good. For him? I don't know. I mean, I suppose no harm, no foul. Like, who was really hurt by this? I don't know. People paid too much money for I we Well, we don't know that they paid too much money for, I mean. I mean, you can assume. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I, the. What I the, saw I, the Lee is real movie. 
Okay. I saw the lawsuit. Well, I just, I just mean like, you know, the guy, the Drury Lane Theater had their suspicions that it was fake, but they yeah. wanted to stage oh, yeah. it anyway no, no, because like, they knew there would be an audience. Love that. And love the that. audience got to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know how much Drury Lane was charging for it. So if Drury Lane was knowingly staging a forgery and, you know, marking it up, then yeah. that's just, that's on Drury Lane. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? William Henry just wanted his dad's time and attention. <laughs> Maybe if Samuel Ireland had been a more loving and attentive father, none of this would have happened. Yeah. So that's that's the story of Vortigern and Rowena. <laughs> I love it. So we watched Troy. 2004. Troy 2004. We watched it two nights ago. Two nights ago. It's longer than i remembered it's so long and we weren't even paying attention well i've so seen long. it about 50 times i've seen it about four times but like it's long it's long and and the thing about that movie is and, and it's part of the reason why i've watched it so many times is you don't really have to pay attention to a lot of it no you need to see the the you need to see the the broad sort of like the big beats the fight the one-on-one fights. The one-on-one fights are great, but, like, you don't gotta pay attention to them if you don't want to. No, but those are, like, the, the important parts. So the, yeah, it's just like, oh, Achilles just killed Hector, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we've had, uh, as you might have guessed, Greek mythology on the brain. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, let's watch Troy and... And look at Achilles. Think about it. <laughs> and maybe compare it to Hades a little bit. Because yeah. I'm really interested in the ways that we update classical mythology for modern audiences. And in some ways, correct. Correct is a word for it. Yeah. I mean, certainly um, make palatable to us yeah. as people. Well, I, I, what, I, what I mean when I say that is Troy 2004, mm-hmm. Achilles and Patroclus... Mm-hmm. It's revised, let's say. It's 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 just sad. Okay, I will say this. Troy, uh, the cast is great. Cast is great. Cast is great. I with the I, exception of Patroclus. With the exception of Patroclus. I don't know who this <laughs> fucking kid is. I don't he's... He's he's one of the guys that I always get mixed up is of he? the two. Mm-hmm. Who is he? He's from Tron. Two. He's, he's Tron 2. He's Tron 2? He's Tron 2. I did not recognize he's him. He's Tron 2. He's Aragon brother guy. Oh, I didn't see Aragon. Uh, wow, he's Tron 2. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Mm, he's just nothing. He's nothing. His hair's dreadful. He looks like a, like a, like a slacker skater boy from the 90s, and it's not in a good way. Right. If you're, like, especially when he's opposed to... The Brad Pitt, who is the platonic ideal of the slacker skater boy from the 90s. Well, he looks more like a surfer boy. That's and true. that makes all the difference. Well, when you compare a surfer to a skater, it's yeah. just like... It's, he's got them beachy waves. Beachy waves. But of course, it makes sense because his mother is an ocean goddess. Yeah. It's all there. Mm-hmm. It's all in the text. <laughs> so, Troy is part of this sort of cultural moment in the early 2000s when they were putting out historical versions of stories where they were like no let's do it serious let's make a big historical epic and do it like it's got that like historicity to it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
Because, like, early 90s, it would have been a miniseries. And it was. Well, late 90s. There, late was, 90s. there was the uh And then the early Odyssey. 2000s, it's action movie version. Late 2000s, it's, like, hyper-color, like, super uh, surreal version. Like what? I'm thinking of, like, 300. Oh, um, yeah, they were just get, Yeah, well, that was And, Zack like, Snyder. Immortals. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, all of that was just Zack Snyder and his, <laughs> his influence. But, yeah, around this moment, or, you know, when 2004 is when Troy came out, they were doing these things, and I believe that it was sort of inspired by Gladiator's success. Probably, yeah, that I makes be- sense. It really feels like a descendant of Gladiator. Gladiator is a remarkable film um, that's based on sort of kind of real historical events. Gladiator's very made up, and it's not really... <laughs> how anything happened or how, who anybody was but it even feels kind of part of the legacy of Braveheart mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, around this moment you know there the, there was the um the Clive Owen King Arthur yep, mm-hmm. and and like the Clive Owen King Arthur Troy is like no magic no fantasy history it happened for real even though it's like all of it this is all this is all legend in the first place. Yeah. So what's the point in staging it how it would have happened? It didn't happen. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's like, let's do the Wizard of Oz. Realistic. <laughs> like, why? What are you even talking about? The Trojan War, like, people are looking for, like, the real evidence of a real Troy and a real Trojan War. But there's nothing, like, definitive out there. There's certainly... Certainly everything that Homer wrote down was just made up. Well, especially when it's like, if you look at the texts around this one, Mm -hmm. they're made up. Yes. There's no cyclopses. No. Cyclopes. No cyclopes. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's all made up. I mean, the gods are a major player in why this war happened in the first place. Like, Mm -hmm. so, I mean... The main character is a demigod. But, yeah, for some (laughs) reason... We just wanted the fun out of it. We just wanted to see what the history and of course it's not really even real history. Like putting aside the fact that the story is completely ahistorical, like it's just sort of a made up idea of what authentic history looks like. It's still a little fun. Though. It's fun. I love this. <laughs> I told you I watched it like fifty times. I'm not trying and to there's drag like, it. There's here. like moments where like the magic feels like it's possible, like in the first fight. Where he like... Oh yeah, he's just so... That is like the best moment in the movie when Achilles takes down that fucking huge guy. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you can sort of see how he could be... How, where the legend comes yeah. from. And I think that's what they're trying to do with this movie. The idea is like, here's what could have really happened that might have inspired the magical legends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, the way that Achilles dies. Like, he does actually die from multiple arrow wounds, but the only arrow left in his body when people witness him is in, is his, in his heel. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, that's one what took One strike him. in his one weak point. One weak, must have been his weak point. Yeah. Must have been. Because mm-hmm. that dude was, was... I do like that moment because it's yeah. not like... They don't explain it. No, you just see it, and you're They're like, not like the oh, audience, no. the the characters that come. Yeah, no, see, yeah, like, the soldiers. Oh, look, it's his it his heel. heel. Yeah. yeah, nobody says it. It's Thank just goodness. there, and it's yeah, it's it's an effective moment, and mm-hmm. I can see that that is what they're doing here with this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way that they sort of set up the whole beginning of things is just that the the Trojan princes are forging an alliance with Sparta. Meanwhile, Paris is sleeping with Paris is having Ellen. a 
Romeo plus Juliet moment. With Helen of Troy. Um, and <laughs> They see each other through the fish tank. <laughs> yes, the whole nine yards. And so it's like, all right, if you're going to take this, like, you know, magical origin and put it into a real life scenario. That worked for me. They just mm-hmm. they just met and were like, you're hot. And they... He's like 21, if anything. I know. This is 2004 Orlando Bloom. Just as gorgeous as the sun. He's everything. He could play Apollo. Yes. <laughs> he's He was was—he—was the perfect choice. He was such great casting in this movie. Diane yeah. Kruger is Helen and she's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. She's so beautiful. You absolutely believe that she's the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> she is the daughter of Zeus. Uh, and of course, Eric Bana is Hector, the hero mm-hmm. of Troy. Eric Bana looking his best. Ever. Except for <laughs> from the back of his hair. Well, yes, but that's part of the historicity yeah. of it mm-hmm. is you gotta see like, this. Oh, that could have been his real hair. That's That looks ancient Greek to me. <laughs> Weird. So... <laughs> probably real uh everything in this movie is tan and blue tan and blue everything in this movie mm. yeah it takes place on a beach it's, it's greece baby tan and blue mama mia <laughs> <laughs> everything in those movies is tan and blue too yeah it's what greece looks like when it's romantic yeah romantic greece is tan and blue uh but yes, obviously they take out all of the stuff with like the 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 apple of discord and you and know like, uh, doesn't like Athena curse somebody at some point. Yeah, Athena's there like, "What's up? I'm helping." And Aphrodite's <laughs> like, "I'm helping." And <laughs> Zeus is like, "I'm staying out of it." And Apollo's like, "My temple." Uh, <laughs> I will say that that part is pretty brutal when they sack the temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Achilles is like, fuck the gods. <laughs> I am a god. I mean, basically. Fuck everyone. He's just so jaded at this point in his life. Yeah. Now, we were commenting on how Brad Pitt is perfect as Achilles in all ways, except he is completely uncommitted to his dialect. <laughs> oh. He has a, um, an, a, a correct vowel every couple uh, scenes. I mean, and like, basically <laughs> everyone who isn't like British to begin with is just kind of doing, doing a pseudo-British. Yeah, doing the sort of clenched jaw. They they definitely <laughs> didn't have a dialect coach on this film. No. So basically you've got like Orlando Bloom doing... Nothing. Fine. <laughs> like he's already played Legolas. Yeah, so, so he's you just know. doing... You know, he's fine. Uptight. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> uptight accent. Yeah, but uh, you know, Brian Cox is British already, so he's doing great as Agamemnon. Mm-hmm. You've got Brendan Gleeson, who is at least like from the United <laughs> Kingdom, so he can he can do RP pretty well. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, Brian Cox and Brendan Gleeson as Agamemnon and Menelaus Very is good. so good. Mm-hmm. They were born to play brothers, mm-hmm. warlike brothers. <laughs> Uh, but, so I kind of want to talk about how this fits into, like, because 2004 was a very particular moment in what we wanted in our historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas now, I think that the, there is, Greek mythology is kind of having a moment mm-hmm. between Hades Town mm-hmm. and Hades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, like, you know, there were the Percy Jackson books, which yeah. I think are stuff. There's the Percy Jackson musical, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which everyone is ignoring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but obviously, at this point, 
so between Hades and Hades Town, we have two very different takes on the same sort of mythological concepts. Because mm-hmm. Hades Town, it is sort of surreal mm-hmm. and kind of mystical, but it's also not set in like a classical setting. It's yeah. set sort of in a weird Great Depression esque kind of a situation uh and then hades is just like straight up fantasy yeah but not necessarily super authentic to actual mythology actual mythology or even choosing a time period yes and taking place right and i'm i still haven't completed the game so i i'm literally not giving away anything i don't know it just they just sort of give hints of like there's a war. There is a there's some kind of war. Uh, yes, the various heroes are dead at this point, yeah. and so it's like, hmm, I wonder when this when is. This are, is yeah. post Trojan War. Yeah, because Achilles, Achilles is, is dead. Is there? Uh, but it's unclear, like exactly when in the history of the Earth, yeah, this takes place. So uh, it's pretty interesting though, because you've got like in two thousand and four. A story that's like no gods no magic and then now we've got a story that's like all gods all magic <laughs> oops all gods oops all gods and we're adding more <laughs> more than you ever knew uh <laughs> and it's wonderful and i'm yeah. so happy and it's kind of interesting i mean do you feel like it is sort of thanks to this big cultural research like well, not even a resurgence but just like uh, a, a newfound appreciation for the genre of fantasy? I think, um, at least how I feel about it, because Greek myth has been popular as far as I've been alive and continues to be popular. At least in, in some ways. In some ways. Um, you know, especially in poetry, we yes. rely upon it almost oh, yeah. constantly. I mean, yeah, classical mythology... Ever since, you know, the fucking Roman Empire, Western culture has had a boner for Greek mythology. Yeah. Like, that's like, just... We just... There's just so many gods. It's there's just so it's many. really captured the the cultural imagination for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the audience, not a specific audience, just like audience in general, mm-hmm. is pushing for either realism in certain different ways Mm -hmm. like one of the great things about troy fall of the city is that we have characters of color Mm -hmm. when they would have been there sure you're this is the (laughs) classical mediterranean like people are from it all over yeah so um i think that is definitely you know gonna freshen up the genre um and i think that that's just what you know one of the things that i appreciate uh-huh. is getting it you know a new fresh take yeah i'm one, so when did the uh so about six years after um troy fall of a city we've got the remake of clash of the titans which is a very interesting take on greek mythology too of course this is the remake of the the 70s film or whatever that the yeah. original clash of the titans came out but that's obviously a very magical story. Um, 
Clash of the Titans, as I recall, didn't wasn't like super well liked, but it did well enough to get a sequel. Yeah, which was much less liked. Much less. Well, yeah, it's much less good. <laughs> I, and I'm not gonna say that the Clash of the Titans 2010 was good, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Dumb as hell, uh, but in a fun way. It had an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> But, I didn't particularly like the way the gods looked. No, they were very shiny. Shiny and like armored in like not appropriate ways for that. No, I mean, and so, and I, again, I think it was just sort of like. They're like, what if we made Zeus look like a crusader? Yeah, they were just really doing their own thing there. Um, and I'm not going to be mad about it because, again, like, what's the fucking point in being historical about it? Right. Like, this is all made up yeah, nonsense. It's fucking Kraken. Yes, first of all, the Kraken is not a part of Greek mythology in the first place. <laughs> and, like, this is just only very loosely based on the myth of Perseus. So, mm -hmm. like, do whatever you want to. Like, and I think that that's what makes the, you know, 2004-ish historical, mythological legend movies so weird. Is this, like, weird slavishness to sort of the appearance of yeah being historical when mm -hmm. they're just they're no, they're no more historical really than anything else yeah. like you might as well just do whatever you want to because yeah. you are <laughs> you know with um with braveheart we've talked about this in the past uh william wallace neither wore face paint nor a kilt in real life but it looks fucking historical mm -hmm. when mel gibson comes out with his blue face paint and his kilt doesn't matter what the real history is. And that's what's going on with Troy. <laughs> yeah. We got... I mean, it's a storybook. It is. It's It's just more... It's just more legend. More myth. Yeah. Uh, of course, this is something that's been done all throughout history. You know, you look at medieval art, and people are just wearing, like, contemporary clothes of the day, even if they're biblical characters. Because... Yeah. They're just like, well, that's just what clothes are like. Yeah, you think Jesus wore a, a robe like, like that? that? Yeah, you think Mary just wore, like, a beautiful cotardi? Like, no, no, <laughs> the, such the a garment did not exist. The Renaissance paintings showed what, what the people in the Renaissance wore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Mary Magdalene didn't wear that dress. But, yeah, I think that, so, so... I, when you're retelling these stories, really, it's it's less about the original tale and it's more about the time that you're making it in. Yeah, I think you're right. And right now, we need fantasy. We're much more into fantasy, and it's you know we're a it's a post Game of Thrones world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know even bros are into fantasy. You know we're well past Lord of the Rings, which in and of itself, though, you know, absolutely a work of high fantasy. Is pretty devoid of magic. Yeah, there's not a great deal of, like, explicit magic. There's, like, magic. two spells, if any. And, like, there, you know, mythology is kind of absent from it, even though, like, within Tolkien's texts, there is definite mythology. Um, you know, the wizards are actually, like, fucking basically angels. Mm -hmm. But that's just not really utilized in yeah. the films um because they are still keeping it oddly low low key as far as the amount of magic hanging yeah. out uh hanging around um i'm i'm kind of blanking what are some other sort of 
films and franchises that have sort of popularized more of a, a magical fantasy. Because it feels like those do pop up, and they do decently well, but, like, no huge successes. Yeah, I think the last huge success would be Harry Potter. Right, of course, there's Harry Potter, but Harry Potter tempers itself by setting it itself in, like, a very real modern world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, secretly there's magic. Yeah. You know, the hidden world type mm-hmm. story. But I'm, you know, I'm thinking of, like, any movie with the word witch in the title. Like... I was thinking the same They're thing. They're all sort of generic, half filmed in the U.S., half filmed on a soundstage. Like, mm-hmm. it, they're they're not great movies, and there's, a, there's some magic in them, but they... They're, like, basically direct-to-DVD, like... Right, you've got, you know, yeah, I assume you mean, like, The, the Last Witch Hunter. Last Witch Hunter, Season S- of the Witch. Se- like... Well, Season of the Witch is... That's a weird one. That's a weird fucking movie. Have you watched it? I can't remember. <laughs> Probably. It's, it's the one with um, Nick Cage. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, uh, our, our cutie pie from uh, Misfits is in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But, uh... I mean, that does definitely have some magic, but, like, magic is evil in that one, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, yeah, it is kind of funny. I suppose magic in, like, high fantasy does just thrive more in the realm of video games. Yeah. Than in, it do- in just in games in general, because it's like, of course, we've got our our fellow, you know, D&D-type nerds who are, like, all the magic all the time. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't quite broken the crust of hollywood well because hollywood is so afraid to do an original property Mm -hmm. they need a success in book form generally first Mm -hmm. um and i feel like there's just so many different have you watched series that you know they i don't know have you watched the trailer for monster hunter yet no but i've seen lots of criticism of it right well people aren't um the biggest fans of paul w sanderson in the first place mm-hmm. but uh yeah i wonder what i i should watch that trailer because i kind of wonder what they're doing because of course that's another really fantastical property but if paul w sanderson is doing it it's not like it's gonna be a big fucking there's guns hit. and trucks in it oh no yeah oh no yeah paul uh <laughs> but it's not there, and you, that's okay I, this is totally like not quite on the rails but uh i'm the guns and trucks thing made me think of uh, uh, Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Um, how that movie, I mean, you can't say it's realism because obviously it's post-apocalyptic. Like, it's so post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. that it's like... Outside of the realm of yeah. anything that we yeah. know. Which almost makes it magical in certain ways. Like how sure. the water works, like all that is sort of steampunk magic. So mm-hmm. it's like... They want to achieve that level of, you know, specialness, mm-hmm. but without doing all the work. Yeah, maybe <laughs> so. I yeah, I feel like sort of the closest. I mean, of course, then I, yeah, I don't want to discount. Like, there are definitely like big fantasy movies that have come out and been like, you know, recent reasonably successful and important films. You've got like, you know, Oz the Great and Powerful, and of course that is still that's definitely an adaptation. But you know. What isn't? Um, <laughs> last night we watched Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Maleficent too. Yeah, and that's hugely, hugely high fantasy. That's like, that's like taking um, the sort of barest premise of Sleeping Beauty and just putting it into like 
weird pulp fantasy land yeah. mm-hmm. with a big budget. And it was remarkable. It was really fun and just like the craziest fantasy stuff. Oh, yeah. And I love to see that. Um, but it that do, that one is kind of interesting because it still sort of gets by. It's sort of, you know, one, it is sort of like, look, it's part of the Disney. It's like got sort of a, a lot behind it as mm-hmm. far as legitimizing it. Yeah. Because it's like, well, it's a big reimagining it's of... Sleeping Beauty, and also it feels very female. It's a mm-hmm. very female fantasy film, you know. Where okay, the men don't get to do a lot in that movie. Yeah, like I feel like they don't do a lot of talking. That's no, for sure. they don't do much. It's a story about women and mm-hmm. like women type problems and and relationships and issues mm-hmm. of like a girl and her mother and her future stepmother mm-hmm. and this this queen who has had to fight her whole life to not get what she wants. Right. So, like, it, it, it is, as, you know, as much of a big action film as it is, it's a very feminine action film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In some cool ways. Yeah, like, if it, if, if it were, like, a more masculine version of itself, we wouldn't get a costume change every scene. Every scene. Which we needed and loved we and deserved. deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, this sort of 2004 Oh, no, it's the same rash. costume the whole damn movie. Yeah, they're, they're, they have, they do have, they have the blue. The princes do wear their ocean-faring tunics, their little, their little midriff shirts. Yeah, and I do love Brad Pitt in some pleather armor. <laughs> yes, he's working it. But yeah, those films, you know, uh, I keep repeating, but Troy and King Arthur, they're very masculine tellings of these stories mm-hmm. you know you've got and like saturated everything is brown at least in troy you've got a lot of blue in there yeah mm-hmm. but most of the and time it's, and it's very saturated like browns it's like yes. high intensity um but lots of browns you've got also like the um the robin hood movie with, which is just gray ugh, everyone's just covered in mud terrible film the, and it's, the russell crowe that, that's also a you know in video games there's a lot of gray gray video games out there there was days. a period of time there where there a was lot the a lot of that gray. going on yeah. yes the call of duty kind of world of just the masculine stuff nothing can have color I'm luckily s- at least with like most of the the mobas that are doing really well right now which is like the big thing uh-huh they're very colorful yes Fortnite's it is very colorful, it is, it is nice to see that we are sort of moving past that cultural moment to some degree uh but also it sort of indicates to me that like now that we're sort of gendering things we've reached the point in the conversation where we're talking about gender hades is kind of a feminine game explain it's about relationships yep Mm -hmm. and it's got a dating sim in it Mm mm-hmm uh, and everyone's super beautiful. Yes. Everyone's so pretty. And there are more gay relationships than straight relationships. It's kind <laughs> of feminine coded. Yeah. Which isn't because it's like it's a it's a roguelike. Like yeah. they don't make roguelikes for girls. Yeah. But like the vibe feels more like Maleficent than it feels like Troy. I I completely agree because Troy has two women in it. Of any import. Yeah. yeah. Two women in it, in it who both say little to nothing. And they're just the girlfriends of our They're just the girlfriends. Men. And one of them is like beaten up. Yeah, she's a slave. 
She's a slave and she gets beaten up. Rose Byrne, by the way, one of her earlier roles. She's everywhere. Gorgeous. Yes. Um, yeah, this... She spends the whole movie with cuts and scrapes on her face. Yes. Troy is a a men's movie. It's yeah. a movie about men. I think we do deserve a Troy from Helen's perspective. Yeah, and I think Fall <laughs> of the City definitely gets at that a yeah. lot more. Mm-hmm. Where she has, like, agency and, like... You know, at least the film, Troy does sort of try to get into the way that Helen is feeling about this and her sort of guilt, like, I, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this and all of this is because of me. Like, I don't know if I'm worth this. I don't think I'm worth this. I don't want any of this to be happening on my behalf. And, you know, they get into that also. (laughs) It's like, at least it it sort of, like, lets the women talk about how they feel about being the object, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Helen's like, oh shit, all this war about me? I don't like that. And Briseis being like, Achilles, I don't want you to kill Agamemnon because you're mad about me. Please don't do that. Like, they're still, this is still happening that mm-hmm. way, but at least the girls get to have feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they don't get, you know, doesn't affect much. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I see a lot more of the sort of feminine-coded and queer-coded fantasy in Hades. Mm-hmm. And it's it doesn't have as sort of, like, action-y and badass as it is. It's not appealing to the, like, you know, God of War kind of. I don't know. God of War, the new one, has lots of feelings in it. And I love it. It's great. It's a father-son story. Yeah, that's true. It's a it's a it's another sad dad video game. Yeah. It's one of the better sad dad video games, but it is one of those. Yeah. It is, you know, like The Last of Us or mm-hmm. whatever. The story of a dad who has feelings about being a dad. <laughs> uh why are there so many because a lot of people who make video games are dads. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Hades is about you know, someone trying to to break out of their established role, somebody who is potentially queer, uh, and you know, a, a lot of what's going on is about the women in his life, mm-hmm. and like his There's shitty many, dad, his shitty dad, film. and many moms. Yes, <laughs> lots of moms, lots of gay friends, lots of, and it's it's very queer, mm-hmm. and it's cool that it's having such a moment of being like appreciated yeah can you imagine if that sort of queer and feminine energy was transferred to like game of thrones <laughs> one can only imagine where Let's... it's like you get one butt and that's all you get for the, the queer side <laughs> you get a butt that's one thing i will give you about troy it's so masculine it sort of dips into the homoerotic a little bit but like not as not enough not enough well then they you know completely neuter the one like the greatest one queer romance queer, in history yeah. <laughs> the queer romance is completely gone the queer relationship is completely erased it's his cousin his cousin how funny uh but you know we just we get to see a lot of achilles body mm-hmm. we get yeah. to see a lot of the prince's bodies too yep. mm-hmm. much more than we really get to see the women's bodies generally oh Perseus yeah, is oh, usually... yeah. When, when when achilles is in bed you see his like Whole, whole ass. His whole ass is foot to head. Yeah, like, bot- and then, like, you get to see, like, Briseis's one leg. Yeah, but he's just, like... Whole nude self. <laughs> and you get to see him, like, stripping a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And yeah, I mean, you know, you get the the boys' fun little um, ocean tunics and <laughs> that are like crop tops. <laughs> yeah, like Helen is dressed very beautifully, yeah. and there is the one scene where she sort of seen to take off her bodice but you don't see anything yeah. you just see her from the shoulders mm-hmm. you actually see a lot more of the men's bodies than you do oh, yeah. the women's bodies mm-hmm. but also there's just a lot more men's bodies around yep <laughs> there are only three women in the movie <laughs> yep pretty much and yeah yeah one of them do they even fucking say andromache's name i don't know if they they might <laughs> She's on the bed the whole movie. She's just as, in bed. As far bed. as you know, she's laying in bed the whole movie. Well, that's she's not... She's in, like, two scenes, and she's in bed in both of them. No, she's in much more than that. She's just kind of a... Re- the thing is, she's in the background that's of a true. lot of scenes. Her, her scenes where she speaks, she's in bed. It's true, because it's just her private moments with Hector. But, yeah, she's, like, there during the big fights in front of the gates, just, like, sitting next to Priam, like, I'm also here. I'm entitled to be here. <laughs> Uh, but no, she doesn't do anything throughout the film, except for support Hector. <laughs> so. I will say having all of them watching from the gates is very gladiator. Like. Mm-hmm. It's very gladiator. In war, film. you wouldn't be up there where an arrow could hit you. I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't. I feel like you wouldn't, but I don't know. But it's the, it's, it's the historicity yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> So, uh, any other thoughts on sort of modern looks at Greek mythology? I mean, we could just tell everybody that we were thinking about making another version of Troy. Yeah, we were imagining how we would cast Troy now. Just all the boys. All the boys. Very few white people. Very few white people. We've seen enough of them. I don't want to see another blonde Helen. I don't want it. No. Get her out of (laughs) here. Give me Lupita. We had some interesting uh, Achilles and Patroclus choices. That's the hardest one. Especially because a lot of our like desires would not work for the story. Right. And so that's why I'm just, I'm just struggling to come up with like, okay, what does fit? What what would I like that also is appropriate? And the thing is, the, uh, David Gayassi, who plays him in uh, Troy Fall of a City, is fucking perfect yeah and that's the long and the short of it and we love him and he's also in maleficent mistress of evil and i was very happy to see him there he's kind of a jerk but it's fine he's great at playing people who are kind of a jerk but it's fine yeah he's that's his specialty (laughs) okay totally off topic can we talk about how like quippy maleficent is oh that movie is hilarious y'all that's a that's a soft recommendation this week go watch maleficent mistress of evil it's on disney plus if you haven't seen the first one the second one yeah if you haven't seen the first one it's there too it's there too i don't think you strictly need you don't need to i mean it's nice because you get to see like why she actually loves aurora right but it's just like it's all just silliness so it's fine if you don't feel like watching the first one i'd recommend it i like it Angelina Jolie does some remarkable acting in it, mm-hmm. which will surprise you. Yeah. Also, if you think it's too sickly cute and sweet, it's not. You'll find some sweet, sickly cute characters that you actually like, and some that you can just ignore. The, ignore the fairies. The fairies are the worst. The they, fairies are the worst. The hedgehog little thing is great. I love her Pinto. She's Pinto. great. <laughs> the little mushroom kid. The little mushroom boy. Love him. I love the big tree men. The big tree guys are great. Yeah. All right. I think we're just talking about recommendations now. Yeah. So let's do it. Yeah. Do you have a real recommendation? Uh, I don't think so. I've been just dealing with stress all week. It has been. Oh, I do. Yeah? A couple. So 
We are big fans of Trixie and Katya. They just started a new podcast, which is available on Podcast Things and YouTube, which is fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then also another the other drag podcast I listen to, um, the Race Chaser. They have a network that they have started, which is there's the, the network is just a network within a network, you know, Moguls of Media or Mom. <laughs> they have a couple new shows that are really good. Um, the my favorite though is very that, mm-hmm. which is um, two drag queens, uh, uh, Raja and uh, Delta work. Uh, they've been friends for like decades, and so they're just telling all the stories of mm. the old times before Drag Race on TV, and it's just really nice. That sounds fun. <laughs> it's very that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have been watching uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, which is the sequel season to The Haunting of Hill House, which I really enjoyed until the last mm, 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, but uh, ha- uh, Haunting of Hill House was like one of the only series I watched that I would consider actually effectively scary. So far, Bly Manor is less scary. I am enjoying it though. Mm-hmm. Um, this takes place in the '80s, which is fun. They do some fun needle drops with some '80s hits, and and that's great. Um, there's some of the cast from the first series has returned for this one, playing new characters. Um, I'm only about four episodes in, I think, so I still have a little ways to go. But so far, you know, I I think that if you liked Haunting of Hill House, you'll probably like Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, and if you're into uh, long-form horror, then check them both out if you haven't. Because I think it's pretty good. I really love the lead. She played the youngest sister in Haunting of Hill House. And that character is great. And she did an amazing job in that season. But she also doesn't get to spend a lot of time being like a person. She's mostly a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's great to see her playing the lead of a yeah. series where she really gets to like show off her range and her acting ability and she manages to make this character who could be quite irritating really likable at least to me she's like an american au pair for these two british children uh and she's very midwest um very like yeah sort of girl next door kind of vibe uh but she's just like she, she the character is a is a former elementary school teacher and so she has that really good, like, I'm great with kids. I'm also taking no bullshit. <laughs> uh, it's, she's very, very good with these kids. And the kids are pretty pretty talented actors, too, especially the little boy. He's quite frightening, actually, at times. So so there's, there's some October fun for you if you haven't hopped on that one yet. It gets a, it gets a thumbs up from me so far. And another long-form horror, I've been watching Nurse Ratched. Ah. Uh. Ratchet. Ratchet, which is um so i have no context because i have <laughs> yeah, completely unfamiliar with the source text completely unfamiliar with the source text um which is fun i suppose but it's just i mean if you like literally any of uh ryan murphy's bloodier works it is the <laughs> most ryan murphy i i just watched a little bit of it while alex was watching and it is so fucking batshit in the most <laughs> ryan murphy's murphy ways like so you know if that's your thing you'll like it for if sure you, and and then on another ryan murphy note if you want something less bloody that's also really good um 
the remake of Boys in the Band, mm-hmm. also on Netflix, uh, is there as well. And that's really interesting. Um, it's it's some I have found it sort of refreshing in that we don't often get to see stories of uh, gay men told pre-AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, but just don't expect, you know, characters that are good people. <laughs> no. Because it's based on a play. <laughs> and you can't have a play without bad characters. Everybody has to be a bad person at play. <laughs> there are some good people, but uh, there are some bad people. Mm-hmm. And it's got all the Hollywood gays in it. Yep. Pretty sure. Ryan Murphy. All, almost all, the, all of them are out actors, which is nice. That is nice. Even if you don't like them all. Yeah. It's still, it's still conscientious casting. Yeah. All right, y'all. I think we're done. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really makes a difference. Tell us what you think about Brad Pitt at LitMeritPod on Twitter. Give us your... Trojan War casting. Yes. We would love to know what you would do with Achilles or Hector or any of those boys. We have a soft spot in our heart for Josh Hutcherson as someone. Someone. Anywhere. Taryn Edgerton as well. Yep. They're similar boys. (laughs) But they could easily be replaced. Yeah. They're also, you know, blonde white boys and we don't necessarily... Yeah. Need to cast that kind of... So tell us what you think. What are your... They could be background. They could. They could just be hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> just put, put them in a tunic and put them in the room. <laughs> in a tunic, in a room. <laughs> and thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember, please, please vote. vote. I would simply vote. <laughs>